Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Sandoval. Today, let's get started with the Angelus here at the top of the noon hour as we talk about Our Lady, her promises, and really the miracles that can happen in our lives uh, when we trust in Our Lady, when we trust in the power of prayer, even in the midst of tragedy. Let's go ahead and get started. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, we're still in the month of August, month of August dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. Uh, and I know that we've been talking about that this month. We've been talking about uh, the rosary. We've been talking about the different promises of the rosary. We've been talking about um, what Our Lady has asked and asked us to do, consecrate ourselves, consecrate the world, consecrate particular nations to her Immaculate Heart to avert any, um, really, any, any chastisements coming our way. Because we are human, we do fall. We tend to... Uh, use our free will to think that I'm free to do whatever I want versus the idea of, hey, I'm free to worship God. That's where my freedom comes in because regardless of what's going on around me, there was a time I didn't exist. There was a time that I did not have the experience of life, that I didn't know what life was. And that came from God himself, right? So once we exist, who do we thank for that? For the of our lives who do we think for that are we grateful that we were given life and existence in our own individual humanity our own relationship with god it is important to consider um especially when there are tragedies i know that by now everybody's uh well aware of the the devastating fires in maui uh in hawaii and really more than anything else how tragic that is you're on an island surrounded by water uh and you can't put these fires out and if you look at the pictures it's just devastation after devastation there's no um, there, there, it seems like everything was just burned down in the area that it affected. Very popular area. 
area near and dear to my heart because that's actually the Lahaina area is where my wife and I went to honeymoon, you know, a very common honeymoon destination in Maui. Um, and so you see this and you hear these stories of tragedy, people losing their homes, people uh, surrounded by this burning fire. And one of the things that was most striking to me was you look at, if you've ever been to Maui, you've ever been to Hawaii, you realize the roads are pretty limited. I mean, you got the main road going around the island. And then, you know, the road's going into the house, but you got to room into the, the, or I should say the different complexes for homes or for hotels, but there's not a vast array of highway system there um, to get you necessarily across the island. You're still pretty much living on the outskirts, on the shores. Uh, and if you look at the pictures, you realize some of these people had to leave their cars. There were just streets lined with cars that people were stuck, couldn't move, and they just had to leave their cars there and they just had to run away from their cars, watch their cars burn, uh, and actually run through the fire. I mean, these are pretty, imp this is a pretty impressive uh, fire because of the location of the way it is, the way it was, it, it contained um, people in a way that they couldn't really get out. Very ironic, surrounded by water. Uh, but what do we do in the midst of this tragedy? We see that we're losing all of our goods. We see that we're losing um, everything we think we own or have or is important to us. The material goods, of course, but then in the midst of it, the other thing that came out of this was that there was a church that survived, um, a beautiful Maui church. Uh, it's called Maria Lanakila Church. Again, near and dear to my heart, because that's the first place when we went to honeymoon that my wife and I went to. That's We, we found the first Catholic church, um, and we went to Mass there a few times. We were, I think we were going to daily Mass or whatever times they offered. From what I understand, they also offered the traditional Latin Mass there. Um, beautiful uh, church. Great that they offer the traditional Latin Mass. And it didn't burn. It didn't burn down at all. If you look at the pictures, if you look at, at what was supposed to happen there, um, it, you would think, yeah, the church, of course, it's going to burn. Right? How sad. Because it's right in the midst of this fire, in the midst of this wildfire. You can't control a wildfire uh once it starts taking uh taking hold of of the area surrounding and, and the homes and everything and this church incredibly survived not only did it survive they interviewed one of the priests there in maui and he mentioned that there was no damage to the structure of the church no damage to the structure of the rectory the inside of the church remained untouched and there were some flowers there at the foot of the altar that did not wilt under the extreme heat of this fire there's no, I mean, if anybody's ever just put your hand near a stove while it's on, a gas stove, you realize how hot that is. It's going to burn anything around it. Imagine that multiplied, surrounded, surrounding a home, surrounding structures, surrounding everything. And yet the flowers that were in this church uh, still remain there without being wilted, without being affected by the heat. Uh, you know, the, how how beautiful is that when we think about it? The other thing that, we look at this as uh, the what it stands for, what it means. The Maria Lanaquila uh, is translates into Our Lady of Victory. How appropriate, Our Lady of Victory. You know, in a church like this, where you're surrounded by fire and it stands, God is still telling, giving us messages. There's no question that God is letting us know, hey, I'm still here. There might be devastation. There might be things that you feel are out of your control. And I think this happens to us in our lives. How many times do we feel like we're surrounded by spiritual wildfire, shall we say. I can't control this. I feel like my life's falling apart. I feel like there's a depression going on. I feel 
frustrated. I feel like nobody understands me. I feel like there's so many things going on around me. I, gosh, I've made a mistake and now it's snowballed and I didn't mean for it to get that big, uh, like this wildfire. Uh, and all of a sudden, what am I going to do? How do I get out of this? You know, we feel as though that's it. It's over, right? We, we, uh, our life can feel like it's over in so many ways at so many different times. It can feel like we're surrounded by a disaster. Um, but I think this is a great reminder, just a beautiful reminder that God is still there. How many of us in the midst of all this decide, you know what? My life's falling apart right now. I think things aren't working well. Uh, it feels like I am just standing alone here, surrounded by nothing but devastation. How many of us go to church at that moment? And how many of us say, you know what I need to do? I need to stop everything. I need to go kneel in front of the tabernacle, stand in front of the tabernacle, be near the tabernacle, and just give everything to God. Because the church is still standing. The, the wildfires might be everywhere else, but this is my place of refuge. I think this is what we really need to think about as Catholics. You know, when we see beautiful miracles like this, we can look at it and we can say, gosh, that was really nice. You know, that's that's kind of cool that the church didn't burn down. Um, for people who choose not to believe, they'll never think that that was a big deal. They'll just say, gosh, that's just kind of a freak accident, right? Look at that building that stayed up. It could have been anything is what they'll, what they'll say. Could have been a home. It could have been a bank. It could have been. It just maybe the location, the way the wind was, um, you know, just based on where it was, you know, maybe that's what uh, why it didn't burn down. It could have been. It could have been a car there. It could have been a parking lot. It doesn't matter. That area was just not going to burn. People will make excuses no matter what happens. I mean, if we look at the miracle of Fatima, uh, very important for us as Catholics, Fatima, our miracles at Fatima, when the sun danced, as they say, sun moved across the sky witnessed by 70,000 people who were there, witnessed by reporters, witnessed by so many different people. And some of the people who witnessed it still reported that nothing happened or it wasn't that big a deal. If somebody's heart is already close to God, I say closed to God as in not open, it's pretty hard to convince them of the mercy of God, of the love of God, or that a true miracle can happen, or that God is working in our lives, that somehow the presence of the Eucharist in that church saved the building as a representation of the people of God. It's really, we got to remember, you know, the, the building, it's great that the building stayed there. The building is the church, but we're the church. We call the building a church, but really the people of God are the church. I think this is truly God reminding us, hey, I'm here to save you. I'm here to save the people. You are my church, but we're going to do it through the Eucharist. And we're going to do it in a way that regardless of how intense or devastating things are going around you, you can come to me and I'm going to be a safe refuge. Do we believe that? Once we believe that, I think our lives are going to change because then we're not going to hold on to the material goods around us. We're not going to say, oh my goodness, I got to uh, have this car. I have to have this next uh, watch. I have to have this next piece of jewelry and necklace or whatever it is. All these things are beautiful and that's great. And we can, we can see the beauty in it. I mean, there's no question about it. Why is it that? We do enjoy looking at particular cars or homes or jewelry, things, things along those lines. There's a beauty to them. God made us appreciate beauty and we can appreciate uh, the beauty in the material goods. But at the end of the day, do I put that before God? Am I ready to put the first commandment first in my life? Am I ready to say, you know what? God is going to be my priority. Because that way, when tragedy happens, when I get frustrated, that's going to be their number one.
Well, more after the break. All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Breaking Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about the miracles in our life that can happen, even in the midst of what we feel is devastation, uh, what we feel is tragedy. And in my life in particular, I always deal with a lot of people, obviously, who have illnesses, mental illnesses, physical illnesses, spiritual illnesses. And people want to know what is going on in my life? What's going on with the illness in my life? Where did this come from? You know, the classic question is, is this diabolical? Is this normal? Is this something to be expected? Uh, and I think we're all looking for miracles. We're all looking for God to work in our life. We're all looking for um, particular prayers or things of that nature that are going to fix my heart, fix my body, fix my mind. Um, and it's fine to think that way. It's it's great because that's where our faith comes in. But we want to have these miracles happen. I guess the main question I have is, do we have enough faith in God when they're not happening or when we feel like our prayers are not being answered the way that we had hoped? Well, you know, the fact that this church in Hawaii, in Maui, survived and it was Our Lady of Victory, I decided to look a little bit more at Our Lady of Victory, look at the background of Our Lady of Victory, but really more than anything else to see if there's any uh, particular miracles associated with Our Lady of Victory, also known as Our Lady of the Smile. Because I thought, you know, it's always good to have different devotions. A lot of people ask me, Dr. Sandoval, is there a particular prayer that's the best prayer uh, for different things, for particular illnesses? Is there a particular prayer that's the best deliverance prayer that I can pray for myself or my family? And I always say there are very, very important particular prayers uh, that you can say that will work. And I say, well, what is it? And I say, well, it's whichever prayer is going to increase your faith in God. It's not about the prayer really more than anything else. It's more about what prayer, what am I going to do where I'm going to allow myself to say, yes, God is working in my life fully. This is where I'm going to fully give myself to God and say, I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm going to let him guide me through this and walk me through this. Those are the prayers that are really going to matter because at the end of the day, it's about our relationship with God. That's what's going to help improve our prayers. Even St. Peter was there with Jesus and trying to walk on water or was able to walk on water. But as soon as he lost his faith, as soon as he got scared, as soon as he stopped believing that, well, Jesus is right there. I'm still walking on water. And Jesus all of a sudden tells him after he started to sink, said, where's your faith? What happened? You know, you were doing so well. You knew that you and I could walk on this water the way Jesus was walking on water. Well, if we look at different saints and different uh, uh, miracles, I, I was looking up Our Lady of Victory and I saw this wonderful article on the little flower, St. Teresa Lisieux, who was miraculously cured by Our Lady of Victory, also known as Our Lady of the Smile, of a mysterious life-threatening illness, according to this article. I'm going to go ahead and link this article uh, to the video, but I thought this was important to read because we always wonder, you know, is Our Lady working in our lives? Does she intercede for us? Now, one thing that's important to remember is Our Lady is not the one who does the miracles. Our Lady is not God. Um, and that's okay. We venerate Our Lady. She is the mother of God. And she has a little bit of pull up there uh, in heaven. She has a little bit of a say. When we pray to Our Lady, we ask her to intercede for us. Why not? Our Lady of the Victories Church there in Maui, uh, which survived, uh, is a wonderful uh, example of that. But let's read about this miracle that she did for St. Therese and see if we don't have a little special devotion to Our Lady of the Victory. Um, and we can see a little bit more and learn a little bit more about 
the heart of Our Lady, the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. What's going on in her heart? How much does she love us? How much does she want to intercede for us? This article says October 1st is the Feast of St. Therese of Lisieux. October 7th is the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Of course, these are in October. We're in August, but Our Lady works, God works throughout the year regardless, um, originally named Our Lady of Victory. Together, they remind us of the, of the time our Blessed Mother cured 10-year-old uh, St. Therese of life-threatening sickness and how Our Lady also got the title of Our Lady of the Smile. So let's see what happened here. <clears throat> this is what it says. It says, an event on another day that month, October 2nd, that hastened the incurable physical and mental torments young Therese was, began to suffer. The problem began shortly after she saw her sister Pauline enter the Carmelite monastery on that day. Pauline had been her second mother, raising her after her after their mother uh, had passed away when Therese, St. Therese, was only four years old. We have this tragedy. St. Therese's mother passed away when she was four years old. That is a tragedy. That is maybe a wildfire in her heart, in her mind, in her life. But notice one thing that I like to read about the, in this article is that there was an incurable physical and mental torments. So both physical and mental, mental torments that St. Therese was experiencing. That's important to consider because that's when a lot of people come to me and ask me what's going on in my life, what's happening. I've got physical illnesses, I've got mental illnesses, which one is it? And it all works together. If I'm mentally uh, uh, going through a difficult time, if I'm going through an anxiety or frustration, uh, something along those lines, my body's going to hurt. It's going to ache. And the converse is true. If I'm physically not well, I'm going to be mentally very frustrated. I'm not going to feel good. Well, let's see what happened here. Constant headaches plague St. Therese. She became more acute by winter, so it started to get worse. Worse followed. She had shivering, convulsions, hallucinations, pains, lack of appetite. They subsided for one day, the day that her sister received her habit at the Carmel. Uh, as St. Therese explained in the story of a soul, this is what she said, on reaching home, I was made to lie down, though I did not feel at all tired. But the next day, I had a serious relapse and became so ill, humanly speaking, that there was no hope of any recovery. It sounds like it was pretty tragic. It sounds like she was being afflicted by illness, whatever it was that was afflicting her. Uh, could it be due to her frustration with her sister going to the convent, feeling like she's losing a second mother along those lines? It's hard to say. But one of the things, if we go back to the symptoms she was experiencing, shivery, shivering, convulsion, hallucinations, pains, lack of appetite, these things can happen with just physical illness. Notice that it says hallucinations in there as well. People can hallucinate if they're having a very high fever, if they're having uh, certain illnesses that affect the brain, such as encephalitis, uh, which would be an illness of the brain, a, um, a, a swelling of the brain. People can start to have what would appear to be mental illness hallucination type symptoms. So they're not mutually exclusive. I need people to understand that, um, that it's all working at the same time. So this is what it goes on to say. I do not know how to describe this extraordinary illness. This is what St. Teresa is telling us. I said things which I have never thought of. I acted as though I were forced to act in spite of myself. I seem nearly always to be delirious. And yet I feel certain that I was never for a minute deprived of my reason. Saying that she's saying things she couldn't, didn't know how to say or, or, or didn't know how to control. She was acting as though she was forced to act in spite of herself. She was not in control of herself. I know a lot of people in deliverance would say, oh my goodness, she was being oppressed, afflicted uh, by demons. I would say she could have been having a type of brain injury that was affecting her mind. 
uh, in that way or making her not have control of her faculties. Um, but we'll see what happens here. So sometimes I remain in a state of extreme exhaustion for hours together, unable to make the least movement. And yet, in spite of this extraordinary fatigue, hearing the least whisper, I remember it still and what fears the devil inspired. So now she is saying that she was having uh, the devil attack her at this point. Now, well, let me finish the paragraph and we need to ask ourselves about this. I was afraid of everything and my bed seemed to be surrounded by frightful precipices. Uh, nails in the wall took the terrifying appearance of long fingers, shriveled and blackened with fire, making me cry out in terror. One day, while Papa stood looking at me in silence, the hat in his hand was suddenly transformed into some horrible shape, and I was so frightened that he went away sobbing. He said, but if God allowed the devil to approach me in this open way, angels too were sent to console and strengthen me. Marie never left me and never showed the least trace of weariness in spite of all the trouble I gave her. So what St. Teresa is saying here, you know, she's mentioning that she feels she's being afflicted by the devil. She feels that she's being, that she's being made to see things uh, in a way that they're not, such as the nails turning, um, you know, shriveled black and with fire appearing like long fingers and her father's hat transformed into a horrible shape. She could have been hallucinating. She could have been delirious is what we would call this in the medical world where she says that, you know, she was being uh, afflicted, but at the same time, angels were sent to console her and strengthen her. Now, when people are delirious in the medical world, they do have moments where they're very, very ill. They don't feel good. They're not thinking straight. They can actually hallucinate. This can happen to people, again, due to high fevers, due to anything affecting the brain, affecting our sense of, uh, of um, our senses, really, more than anything else. You know, we can hallucinate. We can hear things, things along those lines. Not uncommon to see this. When people are delirious, they will go through these periods where they have these hallucinations, and then all of a sudden, they will get a little bit better because the body's trying to fight whatever illness is there, and then all of a sudden, you start to feel some relief or some reprieve. It's not to say that she wasn't being afflicted by demons and angels were there to console her, but she could have been going through these periods of delirium where all of a sudden, the illness is really bad and is causing terrible symptoms, and then all of a sudden, you have moments where you're feeling much better. And you you feel like, oh, okay, I think I'm starting to get better. And then it goes back and forth. It's delirium. It can happen. It goes away once we treat whatever the underlying illness is. Well, this is what it says here. Her sister Marie was ever present, helping in every way. Later, as Sister Marie of the Sacred Heart, giving testimony for her younger sister's beatification, she said that although Therese never lost her ability to reason, she had terrifying visions that gave chills to all those who heard the cries of distress. During some incidents, her eyes, which were usually so calm and gentle, had an expression of terror in them that is impossible to describe. The incident with her father's hat was one such occasion. It said, Sister Marie recalled that during one of these strange fits, the doctor at the house said that there was nothing science could do for the child. No treatment helped. Well, let's look at this because now we're going to say, well, the, the classic scenario did, was this something evil that was afflicting her or was it? Uh, just an, a regular physical illness. It's hard to say, but again, even though the priest said, or the, excuse me, the doctor said that there was nothing science could do for the child, for St. Therese, no treatment was going to help. That's not to say that it wasn't a physical malady. We don't have cures for everything. We don't have medication for everything. Sometimes if you go to the doctor and you say you have a rash on your skin or something and you show him and you say, oh my goodness, I've got this rash. I don't know what it is. Sometimes we might know not know what it is because there are 
are hundreds of rashes out there and some we know and some there's viruses out there that we don't know of there's rashes out there that we don't know of so there's things that we might not have treatment for and we just have to wait things out depending on how bad things are uh, but for the most part i still don't know in this case um if saint therese was truly being afflicted by demons or if she was being afflicted by a mental illness that was causing her to have these hallucinations so it says father louis was grief-stricken uh saint therese recalled that he thought i was going to die but our lord might might have said to him the sickness is not unto death but for the glory of god so that's important right there when we look at these tragedies when we look at things that are going to happen the sickness the tragedy the um the devastation that's happening is not necessarily about death but it's about the glory of god i think that church in maui didn't burn down when we look at that that's where i gotta look at this is the glory of god whatever tragedy is happening here i think god's gonna make something very very good out of this god's gonna multiply uh his graces here and maybe this out of this tragedy i can't say oh god made this tragedy so that he could show his greatness no but out of this tragedy god will show his greatness this can happen in our lives this is important when we come back from the break we're going to continue to reading what happened to saint therese and how her devotion to our lady of victory helped her out in the situation what our lady did for her how she interceded for her um, because that can happen in our lives too especially in moments where we feel like we've lost everything like there is no hope we got to turn to god and realize god will change our lives around. there is hope more when we come back from the break All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about how can we find miracles in our lives in the midst of tragedy? Who do we turn to? What do we do? And in particular, we're talking about devotions to Our Lady of Victory, um, how she has worked in the lives of saints, how she has worked in the life of St. Therese. We're reading a story about her. Um, but more than anything else, how this can help us turn our hearts to God especially in the midst of tragedy. Now, it's easy to always say, yes, of course, we need to turn to God when we don't feel like there's a big tragedy going on in our life. You know, right now, I can't say that there's anything devastating going on in my particular life. I can't say that there's anything um, that I'm feeling like, wow, this really feels desolate. But I've been there. I've been through those moments where it feels like nothing good is going to come out of anything. Um, and you feel really lonely. You feel uh, frustrated. You feel like you're abandoned. You feel like, why even move on? Why even keep a devotion to God when really God doesn't even care about me anymore? I feel, I don't feel the presence of God in my life. That can happen. Um, is it a sin? It's not necessarily a sin to feel any particular way. Feelings are just feelings. The question is, what do we do about it? Um, do, are we able to turn to God in those moments? I know that that can be hard to do. It, uh, it's not, not necessarily the first thing I've thought of in those moments either. Um, because you do feel desolate, you do feel alone. But if we can have reminders, if we can have examples of other times, other places, sometimes that helps stir our own faith in our everyday life. Uh, with this tragedy in Maui that occurred, this fire, and the Church of Our Lady still standing there, uh, dedicated to Our Lady, untouched, unscathed, even having intact flowers um, that didn't wilt in the midst of the heat. Um, you know, that's truly the presence of Our Lord, though. It's truly the presence of the Eucharist protecting us, reminding me, if nothing else, I better get to holy hour. I better get to praying before our Lord so that he can work in my life and take care of all these little things I worry about. Well, let's read on to the story. We were reading about St. Therese falling severely ill, um, feeling like there's not much that's going to happen, not teetering on death. Um, and let's see what she says. 
She goes on to say, the suffering so afflicted me that I soon became seriously ill. The illness was undoubtedly the work of the devil. So she feels it's the devil uh, attacking her, who in his fury at this first entry into the Carmel tried to avenge himself on me for the great harm my family was to do to him in the future. Well, this is something to consider too. I like that line. You know, a lot of times we feel that a lot of things are just related to deliverance and to the demonic and things along those lines. And the reality is sometimes we don't see the future. We don't see the, as we say, the forest for the trees. We don't know what God, how God is going to use us in our lives. And sometimes we get afflicted and we're thinking, what's going on? I haven't done anything wrong. Well, we don't know the great plan God has for us in our future. Sometimes we forget that God is uh, always still working. God is guiding us. And for all we know, we might end up doing something wonderful spiritually that will help a lot of people. And we don't even know that, but we might get afflicted because, you know, the spiritual world can see our life in a way that we can't. Um, so let's see what else uh, St. Therese, St. Therese says. It says that she realized that, um, excuse me, let me back up a little bit here. It says, giving testimony later that later as Sister Genevieve of St. Therese, of St. Teresa, Celine Martin, who witnessed her sister's suffering, noted However, unlike with illnesses caused by the devil, pious objects never frightened her. So it's interesting. I'm not sure why that line was there, but let's go on to read. St. Therese realized that he knew little, he little knew that the queen of heaven was watching faithfully over her little flower, that she was smiling upon it from on high, ready to still the tempest just when the delicate and fragile stock was in danger of being broken once and for all. So we're in the midst of this tragedy. St. Therese is not feeling good. And all of a sudden, it sounds like Our Lady's been watching. Our Lady's been watching all of this. What's to say that Our Lady didn't intercede for the members of the church in that in Maui? How many people are actually praying for their church? How many people there? I mean, the, the church, as they say, the, the, uh, the congregation there had the traditional Latin mass. Must have been a very fervent, fervent uh, uh, faith-filled congregation. How many of the people there prayed that their church be okay? How many people prayed to be delivered? How many people interceded? How many people were praying the rosary? Uh, and maybe that's a sign that, hey, your prayers are being listened to. You know, I'm not going to burn down the church. This is this is where we are, folks, when we turn to God and we, in, in the midst of tragedy, can pray, can turn to our devotions, whether it be that we think we're experiencing a mental illness, whether it be we're experiencing a physical illness or spiritual ailments, or it might not just be us. It might be a family member. A lot of times I get calls Classically, I get calls from parents. Please help my child. Please help this person. I need you to do something for them. The hard part is if they're not willing to do something for themselves, a lot of times we're not able to do much, whether it be, you know, I could prescribe medication all day long, but if somebody's not willing to take it, there's not much that can happen there. Same thing that priests will tell you if they're doing performing an exorcism or something along those lines. They can say the prayers, but if the person's not willing to increase their faith life and go back to the devotion to God, it's not going to mean it's not going to mean anything. No prayers are going to mean anything because it depends on the faith of the people. Well, let's see what happened here with Our Lady and Saint Therese. It says in May of 1883, Teresa's father um, came to her room to give her to give his daughter money to send for a novena for a cure for her at the shrine of Our Lady of Victories in Paris. A miracle was necessary to restore her health. The Martins brought a statue of the Blessed Mother into the room and says, yes, the St. Therese speaking, yes, a great miracle. And this was wrought by Our Lady of Victories herself. 
She, that's what she wrote, that there was a great miracle that happened to her. This particular statue venerated in the Martin's home was a copy of those made in 1832 based on the well-known one of Our Lady done in 1735, but lost during the French Revolution. Some consider the copy closely resembling Mary on the miraculous medal, but without the star's globe and Mary's foot crushing the head of the serpent. During Teresa's strange, inexplic inexplicable illness, she had moments of brief respite. This is what she says. When my sufferings grew less, my great delight was to weave garlands of daisies and forget-me-nots for Our Lady's statue. We were in a beautiful month of May when all nature is clothed with the flower of spring. The little flower alone drooped and seemed as though it had withered forever. Yet she too had a shining sun, the miraculous statue of the Queen of Heaven. How often did not the little flower turn towards this glorious sun? Then in May 13th, Pentecost Sunday, of 1883, uh, the novena was nearly completed. Marie was in the garden while uh, while people, someone remained back with her sister. Therese later described what happened. She said, I began to call Marie, Marie, very softly, so I called louder until Marie came back to me. I saw her come into the room quite well, but for the first time, I failed to recognize her. I looked all, and I looked all around and glanced anxiously into the garden, still calling Marie, Marie. Therese, the little flower, did not recognize her after several efforts, and then Marie then knelt in tears at the foot of my bed, turning towards the statue of Our Lady. She entreated her with the fervor of a mother who begs the life of her child and will not be refused. What happened then? When Sister Maria of the Sacred Heart, Marie testified, this is her sister testifying, that she thought this time Therese wasn't going to survive. She thought Satan, the little flower, was going to die. She and her sister threw themselves at the foot of the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and Therese wrote this in her diary. <clears throat> because she returned to the statue, her sister Marie turned to the statue and began to cry. She said, that cry of faith forced the gates of heaven. I too, finding no help on earth and nearly dead with pain, turned to the heavenly mother, begging her from the bottom of my heart to have pity on me. Suddenly, the same statue seemed to come to life and grow beautiful with a divine beauty that I shall never find words to describe. The expression of Our Lady's face was in effably sweet, tender, and compassionate, but what touched me to the very depths of my soul was her gracious smile. Then all my pain vanished. Two big tears started to my eyes and fell silently. They were indeed tears of unmixed heavenly joy. Our blessed lady has come to me. She has smiled at me. How happy I am, but I shall tell no one, or my happiness will leave me. Such were my thoughts. After this miraculous event, the statue had been named Our Lady of the Smile. But remember, it was a devotion to Our Lady of Victory. This is important to consider. So, you know, she'd been sick for a long time, St. Therese. They didn't know what to do for her. They felt like, was she being afflicted by evil? Was she being afflicted by um, just an illness that was incurable? What was going on? I think that this is how we happen, how we happen to feel, you know, sometimes. And what I like about the story is that St. Therese is feeling down. She's feeling like, she could possibly die here. She is surrounded by family and friends, her sister, her father, different people who are trying to help her, um, but there's no avail. I think this happens to us a lot. You know, we see this where things are happening in our life. We turn to, I need to talk to this person. Or I need to ask this person. You know, we start to get very um, desperate internally in our hearts and we're hoping for help anywhere. And we're hoping for somebody to have some sort of an answer. What happened here when there was nothing left, her and her sister turned to Our Lady. And Our Lady is the one she attributes her healing to. It says our the statue became alive. Now, a lot of people at this point, 
you know, like I said before, a lot of these things can be uh, hallucinations under delirium. A lot of these things can be, um, you know, things that can be attributed to science, as we say. Well, of course, you know, she looked over at the statue. It looked like it was alive because the same way she was looking at her father's hat and it turned into something hideous, the same way these things uh, occur uh, to people at times. It must have been delirium. She must have been, her brain must have been affected. She must have been ill. And this is what she saw happen to the statue. We usually, when people want to just attribute everything to science, it's easy to discount certain things. But at the end of the day, there's things I can't explain. And one of the things that I can't explain, scientifically speaking, I can explain it spiritually, but not scientifically, is she turns, looks at the statue of Our Lady. Our Lady's face was sweet, tender, compassionate, and she had a gracious smile. And then all of a sudden, her illness got better. Where's the science in that? What can we explain that one scientifically? I can. I can explain it with the sciences of the of heaven, with the science of the spirit, with the science of the idea that God still wants to work on our lives. Our lady wants to work on our lives. And all of a sudden we have to recognize and say, hey, there's other things at work here other than just this hard laboratory science, medicine, things along those lines. No, <clears throat> our lady's there for us. God is there for us. And they can cure us in different ways. If we look at the scripture, do we believe it or not? Do we believe that Jesus outstretched his hand and healed people's physical ailments? Which really, at the end of the day, tells me, reminds me, even as a doctor, I don't own medicine. I know what we we kind of discover along the way. Um, but a lot of times we we forget in science and we feel like, oh, look at what I discovered. Really, we a lot of scientists might as well be saying, look at what I created. Look at what I made um, out of my own volition or look at how smart I am. And the reality is, you got to look at what's happening and say, I discover what's already there, but what God put there. I got to turn to God in these moments where it seems like, let's say some of my patients seem like they're just not going to get better. They're not going to get healed. Uh, there's nothing there for them. We tried all the medicines that I know of, but my knowledge is limited. I'm human. The medicines we have are human. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio listening to the Dr. Sandoval show. And today we are talking about what do we do in the midst of tragedy? Where is our heart? Are we able to turn to God in that moment? It can be very hard to do. I don't discount anybody who says, no, I can't. I feel very angry at God. Um, is it okay to, to be angry at God? Yeah, it, it is okay because we have a relationship with God. That tells me, I think that the, the hardest part when people come to me and say, I'm really angry with my sister. I'm angry with my brother. I'm angry at my family member. I haven't talked to them in a long time. So two different things going on there. One is to be angry at somebody. The second thing is to all of a sudden cut them out. So there's two different things that are occurring. A lot of times we think it's one of the same. Well, I'm really angry at that person. Oh, naturally, you're not going to talk to them. No, that's not the case. So in the midst of tragedy or the midst of, an, let's say, an argument with a family member, I can choose to be angry. I can, or I can, you know, react in a way that, they did something, they said something, and it caused me to have anger. That's normal. If uh, if the case is such that I'm frustrated with somebody and I have these ill feelings, that can happen. The question is, what do I do with them? Do I let, this, the, let, them, let them fester? Do I let them sit there? And then the second thing is, do I cut this person off? That's the second thing. That's the second act. Because I have a choice. I can tell the person, look, I'm very frustrated with you. I'm angry with you right now. And I don't know how to feel better about it. That's one thing. Or to say, you know what, we're going to have to talk later because I'm really angry. Okay, well, that's hope that we're going to talk later. It's not that I'm cutting you off. But a lot of times people will just cut off their family members or, you know, pretend that they're dead to them. 
And that's the bigger travesty. That's the bigger uh, frustration or the harder part of it all. A lot of times that can happen in our relationship with God. Is it okay to be angry at God? Sure. Or to be angry as we're thinking about uh, something that occurred, we feel that God didn't answer our prayers or didn't protect us in a particular way. Absolutely. Can that happen normally? Yeah, absolutely. We're human beings and that's a normal reaction. The question is at that point, do we cut God out of our lives? That's the question of the day because those are two separate things. When people come to me and say, I don't know what to do with how to process these feelings, I say, well, talk to God. Let him know that you're angry. And if you're angry tomorrow, let him know that you're angry tomorrow. And if you're angry a year from now, you know, the whole year you've been angry, okay, keep at it because your relationship is still there. You still have a very real, very tangible connection to God. It might not be the most pleasant feeling in the world, but you're working on it. If I'm angry at somebody, but I'm still talking to them, it tells me that I want to work this out. I just don't know how to do it. The harder part is when I get so angry that I decide you're no longer part of my life. That's where, what do we do at that point? How do I go back to God if I'm feeling that way? Sometimes we ask Our Lady to intercede for us. Things might seem insurmountable. Things might seem like they're not going to get better. We have, you know, the story of uh, St. Therese who felt like she was going to die at that moment, uh, had physical ailments that there were there was no cure for, uh, was seeing things, hearing things, wasn't sure, you know, not sure as I'm reading the story, was it, you know, the devil, was it a uh, physical ailment? But she turned to Our Lady in prayer. Well, let's look at the prayer that she had her there. Here is a prayer uh, to Our Lady of Victory, also known as Our Lady of the Rosary, Our Lady of the Smile. Always appropriate to speak about Our Lady and the Rosary uh, and Our Lady of Victory, even during the month of August, which is the, the month dedicated to the Immaculate Heart, because it speaks to the heart of Our Lady. It speaks to what does she want to do for us. She wants to look at us sweetly with a smile and help us out in ways that we might not have even thought possible. Well, let's say a prayer to Our Lady right now. I'm going to put a, go ahead and put a link to this article, which includes this prayer uh, here for the video. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. It says, Oh, Mary, Mother of Jesus, and our gentle mother too, with a visible and radiant smile, you consoled and cured your beloved child, St. Therese of the child Jesus. We ask you now to smile on us amid the troubles of our lives. May your gentle smile bring light and healing to the darkness and disease of our body, mind, and spirit. Instill us with hope and deepen our faith so that we enjoy forever your maternal and enrapturing smile in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think that's important. I mean, this is where we look at this. I like, I like this line of this prayer. May your gentle smile bring light and healing to the darkness and disease of our body, mind, and spirit. I love that because that's right up my alley. Body, mind, and spirit, that's what we talk about. And we look and see that Our Lady can bring hope. I like the fact that it says, bring light and healing to the darkness and disease, because that's how it feels. Isn't that how it feels? Don't we feel like we're in a dark place sometimes? Like there's a certain darkness. We can't even explain it. I mean, it could be sunny out, that we can have all the lights on in the room. But internally, somewhere we're in a dark dimension, uh, regardless of what's happening in nature around us. That can be a tough place to be, because nobody else can see it. Nobody else uh, experiences it the way we do. It's a very personal, very internal sensation. But we're asking Our Lady to bring light and healing, which is coming from God, of course. That's the important part. All this comes from God. We've got to remember Our Lady herself does not perform miracles, but she can intercede for us. Even in the case of St. Therese, it can say that Our Lady looked at her and her illness was gone, but it was through the power of Christ. It was through the power of God that her miracle happened, that her illness uh, went away. Now, 
a big one of Our Lady of Victory. I wanted to read that uh, story of St. Therese because it brings it down to the individual um, level, brings it down to the level that we can say, hey, I've been sick before. I've felt weird before. I've seen things maybe, or I've experienced things I can't explain. I've been in places where I felt like I was going to die and I didn't know what was going to happen. That can happen. On a grander scale, does God listen to our prayers? Does God help us out? Does Our Lady intercede for us on very big scales? Well, probably the most famous miracle attributed to Our Lady of the Victory um, was the Battle of Lepanto. So any uh, fervent Catholic understands that the power of the rosary here, the power in the Battle of Lepanto, interceding for us, Our Lady of Victory, uh, what happened there? Well, let me read this paragraph here. It says, the title of Our Lady of Victories dates back to a historic battle between Christians and Muslim forces at Lepanto in 1521. The Muslims had invaded much of Spain and were threatening to overrun most of Europe and de-Christianize Europe. That was really, that's the goal, right? So um, a part of the Muslim faith, they want to overtake and, and uh, um, <clears throat> they were going to take over Europe and they were going to make the, uh, the whole place Muslim. Much like Christians, we like to be in different places, set up church and, and make and Christianize areas. Well, this is what it's saying. It's saying the threat was real and it all came together at the Sea Battle of Lepanto. Realizing the importance of this moment, Pope Pius V called upon all Christians to pray the rosary for the success of this battle. we got to remember here is that um, this is during the uh, the Ottoman Empire, the, the Muslims were taking over, and um, the forces were outnumbered. The Christians were completely outnumbered. Christian forces prevailed, however, and Europe was saved for the Christian faith, and the Muslims were pushed back towards Africa. Now, in honor of the victory, the Pope declared Mary the Lady of Victory and declared her feast day to be held October 7th. We're going to talk more about this in October, of course, when we also talk about the Rosary, um, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, which is October 7th. Our Lady's powerful intercession has always been a belief of the Catholic Church, next to Christ, her Son. So again, this is what's important, this is what I want our listeners to remember, is that we don't attribute the miracles to Our Lady. We ask Our Lady to intercede for us, but it says next to Christ, her son, she pleads our cause with a mother's heart and concern with whatever we bring to her, confident that Our Lady's prayers are always heard. This is what we pray. So here's another prayer. It says, O victorious lady, thou who has ever such powerful influence with thy divine son in conquering the hardest of hearts, intercede for those whom we pray that their hearts being softened by the prayers of divine grace, they may return to the unity of the true faith through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now that was a big, that was a big um, battle, that battle of Lepanto. Um, it's in the books, it's in our history books. And the victory is attributed to Our Lady, but the intercession where the Pope himself called upon all Christians to pray the rosary. This speaks to me to many things on a different levels. One, of course, we're talking about where is the heart of Our Lady, the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady? She sees us with a pure heart. She sees us as her spiritual children, as we were entrusted to her, and she was entrusted to us as a mother um, by Christ himself on the cross when he told St. John, Behold thy mother, and to Our Lady, behold thy son. That moment, God, Jesus himself, was telling, uh, telling Our Lady, I entrust you to the world. I entrust the world to your heart uh, more, than, more than anything else. So we know that. We know that that's important. We know that when we turn to Our Lady to intercede for us, our prayers will be heard. I mean, and this is so common, even if you look at, if you're a sports enthusiast and you look at the sport of football, 
what do they say at the very end? There's no time to go. Uh, the, the game's almost over. You have a chance to win. What do they throw? They throw what they call a Hail Mary pass. I've got nothing left. I'm going to throw up a Hail Mary um, is what they call it. So it is important to consider that we recognize, even on a secular level, uh, that Our Lady is there for us, even at the at moments where it seems like it's all over, like there's nothing left. The heart of a mother never stops and never gives up on her children, which means that, so a lot of times people say, oh, so God's going to give up on us, but not Our Lady. No, not necessarily. we got to remember who created that heart. That's the heart of God too. we got to remember that Our Lady's heart is going to be a reflection of God's heart. And he never wants to give up on us, but he wants to make sure that we understand that uh, that maternal love, that nurturing love that he has for us. And that's where Our Lady comes in. She reminds us of that. The second thing that I see here in the Battle of Lepanto, which I think is very, very important, and this is going out to our bishops, to the Pope, um, to our prelates, the power of the Pope asking us to pray the rosary, the Pope himself, the Vicar of Christ, there's a certain power in that. There, he is the representative of Christ. He can pretty much perform any miracle Christ could perform if he asked for it, because not through his own power and volition, but if he represents Christ, he asks Christ to intercede. He could say, I represent Christ here, and this is what Christ wants to be done. I picture this kind of like, um, you know, I tell my nurse to go order a medication for somebody, and she can call the pharmacy and say, you know, Dr. Sandoval, order this medication. And the pharmacy is going to give him that medication based on her saying, this is what Dr. Sandoval wanted. I see it the same as the Pope saying, you know what, this is what Christ wanted. You know, I'm his I'm his right side guy right now. I, I represent Jesus. I represent the, I'm the leader of the church as uh, as it stands. Um, and I think this is what Christ would have wanted. And if he has a good heart and is following the Holy Spirit, I see big miracles happening. This is what I see here in the Battle of Lepanto. Pope Pius V was the one who called on Christians to pray the rosary for the success of this battle. It wasn't just, you know, a, a typical somebody asking, hey, pray for us. It was, there's a certain power there that I would let our prelates know. Remember, as bishops, we look to you. We look to you as examples. We look to you as leaders of our faith. We look to you uh, to guide us because sometimes we're, our faiths are going to falter. You're in a position where you're right in the direct line of the apostles. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful to us. We see what you do. You lead by example. And asking us to pray, asking us to do something, that can be powerful. But just like my good Bishop Strickland goes out there and prays and talks about the faith, it's not that hard. He brings out what's simple. He brings out what's just in the catechism. Nothing different than the deposit of the faith that we have. And that's where I would say, dear bishops and Pope, please teach us how to be better Catholics as Christ would have wanted in this world. I'm going to pray to Our Lady of Victory. I'm going to ask her to intercede for us. I'm going to ask her that in the midst of tragedy or what seems like it's going to be some full devastation to please come to our lives to help our hearts. Be praying for the people of Maui, praying for the people of Hawaii who suffered these devastating fires, for their families, for the loss of loved ones. Uh, the death count's over 100 now. Please pray for them. Pray that Our Lady and God intercede for them and be in their hearts in this moment. And until next week, this is Dr. Samuel saying, keep it Catholic.